We're in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers can grab one for you. Um, we, if you kind of can remember back, we had Easter in between it, but we have uh, been working through uh, Ephesians 5 and, and all the way up into now 6, which is kind of the household order. It begins out of uh, Ephesians chapter 5.21 with this idea of us submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so all of the orders that we've talked about from husbands to wives and everything across the board in that setting is, is all under the understanding and the reality that we are to submit to one another out of reverence, out of fear, out of reverence or awe of Jesus Christ. And so it's that, it's that motivating factor. But just before that, in verse 19, he talks about how we are to be filled with the Spirit. And so what we've been saying this whole time is that you are incapable of fulfilling the roles that God has set in place without relying fully on being filled with the Spirit first. And so it takes the filling of the Spirit that God gives us through Jesus Christ, um, through our, our surrendering to him as, as Lord, and it's that that then allows us, enable us, enables us to fulfill the roles after that. Well, we're in a section of scripture today where it's, uh, it's, it's specifically pe- speaking to children and parents. And so before we go there, I wanted, I wanted to say this. I, I started at last service as well. If you've been coming these last few weeks and you're like, well, I'm not married yet or I, you know, I'm divorced or I'm, whatever your setting or you're like, I don't want kids. I don't even like kids. That's an issue, but we'll, we don't have time for that. But um, if, you, if you've been doing this over the, over the last few, few weeks and you're going, man, I just kind of seem disconnected. I, I cannot say this enough. The choices you make today as a single person have implications on what it means to be a father or mother or husband or wife. The choices you make today, you're not going to just understand as a dude what it means to serve your wife as Christ loves a church on your own if you're not actually applying selflessness or, or looking to serve as a single dude. You won't learn what it means to love your wife like Christ loves a church if you don't actually love him. You don't understand what that means. So the implications are huge. And so even though we're going to talk specifically about children and parents today, even if you don't have kids, let me just say this right now, you are all kids to someone. Okay, so this, this scripture, although we go to like, when you think about children and the word it specifically can talk about younger age kids, you are still a child to someone. And ultimately we are all, as, as surrendered to God, children of him as well. And so, so my, my encouragement as we, as we dive in, as we talk about this section, is that you don't just check out and go, oh man, like, I didn't want to hear about kids or parents. And actually, um, the reality is there's, there's probably a number of us in here that have some pretty big hurts from our parents. Some of you, in fact, one of the things I hear often, I mean hear often in marriages, in, in premarital counseling, or in, just in, in my office, I hear often the wounds that were caused by parents and how that's still plaguing and poisoning the, the present life of that individual. And so maybe this is one of those, those sets of scripture where this will help you in that today. So let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, and then we'll, we'll dive in. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, there's a, there's a few things, you know, that people, the old adage that said, like, you know, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion at the dinner table because, you know, it's going to offend people. You know what I found to be even more true than those two is you don't talk about parenting in the church, right? Like, it is like, there is nothing that draws out more like fangs than, than parenting styles. I want to say that, I want to go on the record and say this right now. 
there are amazing books and amazing people, the followers of Jesus, that have written all sorts of tools about how to parent well and to do things. Our baseline as a follower of Jesus, our go-to, even though all those other tools can be beneficial, our go-to is the scriptures. The scriptures are very clear. They, there's, a, there's a mandate, a command as parents that, that, that you are responsible to raise your children the way they should go so that when they're old, they don't depart from it. There's a command that you are to teach them everything. Observe this, and they see it in your life. So, so you as the parent are the one to do so. And so we have, to, we have to, again, push on you a little bit in the sense that this isn't a parenting style, but the Apostle Paul has changed his, his movement. He's, he's moved from one spot of, okay, here we're gonna talk about husband and wife and how he's coming into the household, which in this day, it's, it's, it's interesting for us to understand culture some. In this day, the Greco-Roman um, posture to, to, to children and to understanding was a very, very heavy hand, okay? A super heavy hand. I'm just gonna go, ahead and go out on the, on the limb right now. That is my son making that noise and you're doing a great job, honey, okay? So don't even worry about it. You guys just ignore that like you do music in a coffee shop, all right? Let's go. Um, so uh, the, uh, the, the Greco-Roman and the Jewish, under, the, the household was really kind of ruled heavy-handedly. Kind of, you are, you are going to obey me, and if you don't, in fact, the scriptures in the Old Testament, we see that if children are disobedient, their, like, death is, is an option for them. Um, Romans would, would get rid of children. If they didn't feel like they wanted the child, they would, they would just do away with the child. Like, children did not seem to have much rights in the day. So when the Apostle Paul starts us with children, obey your parents, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, every single one of them going, yeah, yeah, obey us, because this is what's going to happen. And the reality was, the reason why obedience was so important so powerful was because it was a reflection on the parents. So when a disobedient child acted out and they were being disobedient, it was a reflection that the parent was not fulfilling their biblical mandate to raise up children as obedient. So instead of like learning a healthy way to do that, they just kind of just got harder and harder and harsher and harsher and harsher. And some of you, you were raised in that household. You were raised in a very hard, difficult household. And so the, the, the other reality is that some of us in here, either way, we have to understand, some of us, we've been hurt by our parents. But I, I, I'm just gonna go out on a limb on this. And I said this, my dad was in the last service, so I said it with him in here, okay? So you guys can ask him later if you want. I think that we really, really, really dishonor our parents in the way we speak about them, and the way we think about them. In fact, I would say that predominantly what I hear from most people is not the good that their parents do, but the negative. We, we focus in and we, we, we laser point into the, the, the failures of them as if they needed to be perfect, which they're not. And if you're a parent today, you realize just how imperfect you are. But we assume that, that because they messed up, that that's who they are. Now, let me say this also. Some of you, the, the parent, your parents did mess up. Some of you, your parents abandoned you. And, and I understand, like, there's hardship. I'm not trying to minimize that. But the scriptures still speak to you as an adult here that you are to honor your parents, and that's what we're doing. So he says, children, obey your parents. Instead of using the word submit here, like he did with relationships with wives he, to their husbands, Paul uses the common word of obey. Submit was not a strong enough expression um, to express the unquestioning compliance expected from children toward their parents. So hence the reason why he uses obey. Paul appeals to children to have an obedience that transcends the parental because I said so. It's not the, that's not the obedience. He's, he's to the motivation rooted in respect for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me say this as well, to, for, to all parents in here, if, you're, if you have kids, whether they're like super, super little or they're, they're a little bit bigger, wherever it is, if you have kids in here, this, this entire scripture, what Paul is saying here is based on one really large assumption. 
the assumption is that there are rules and boundaries within your home for children to obey. The, the culture has really pushed on us to just say, oh, kids can just do whatever they want. And they're just their, their own like thing and who cares? We don't need to oversee that and they'll, they'll figure it out on their own and I don't need to interrupt with this. This is, this is not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that we are to be involved in our, in our children's lives. And so if you are, are, if you've allowed it to seep into you that you don't need to have any boundaries or rules at home because that's just too stifling to a kid, you, you're, you're missing the point that even when it was perfect in the garden, there were still boundaries and rules. So boundaries and rules need to be at your home. There need to be rules in place. Now, some of you, the rules are ridiculous and they're, 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 they're provoking children to anger. We'll get there in a second. But, but for, for some of us, we, we realize that we need to actually have guidelines and boundaries and rules for these little minds to be shaped. Boundaries and rules are a healthy, healthy thing. It's when we push obedience in an unhealthy way, it pushes people to push against that in health, against being obedient. And so the Apostle Paul says um, that, that the children are to obey their parents. And he says, um, although the children's duty to obey their parents was taken for granted in the ancient world, disobedience to parents, according to the Apostle, was indicative of Gentile depravity. Did you, did you know this? In Romans 1.30, there's this long list of all these Gentile depravities, and one of the things in the middle of the list of everything else is disobedient children. So it's in the middle of that huge laundry list of sexual immorality and all these other horrible things. Disobedient children is in there. And also, um, we see um, that it is a sign of evil of the last days in 2 Timothy 3, 2. So obedience out of children is a command. Obedience is a beautiful and good thing. So what does he say about it? In fact, he says, the Apostle Paul says that it's right. Children obeying your parents as the Lord, which is his motivation. Again, it's not that the parents are the Lord, but it's the children' obedience to their to their parents is them being submitted to the Lord. Just like a wife being submitted to the husband is her being submitted ultimately to the Lord. A husband being submitted to his role over the wife and the, the wife and the relationship there to sacrifice and serve is his obedience to the Lord. It's all about obedience to the Lord. And so he says that. And then he says it's right, which is just to correct or just or righteous. It is, it is truly righteous for a child to obey their parents. So children of your parents, how are you doing on that? Are you obeying your parents? Um, I do need to disclaimer this because some of you in here are like, wait a minute, how's this work now? I'm married and I have parents. How do I play this out? The Apostle Paul just laid out the foundation that authority became its own in the marriage covenant. And so for, for you adults who are married that have parents, you need to understand that the authority now is in your immediate household and your parents are extended. Now you figure out how to honor and respect and love your parents and still figure out ways to do that. But ultimately, the authority has now been placed in your individual home. And so you, you operate that way. For those of you that aren't married and you're 25, you're like, what do I do? You're, you're still underneath your parents' obedience. Now the role in which they parent you is not like they're changing diapers, hopefully, or you know, trying to teach you how to walk. But instead, they're, they're hopefully doing some more coaching and training and, and discipling in a really beautiful way at the age appropriate or where you're at. But either way, you're still under that authority ultimately as an adult. That's, that's hard for us because it's like, well, wait a second. Do I need to ask my dad to, to go out to dinner? No, you, you have your own house, hopefully. You're not living in the basement of your dad yet, but maybe some of you are. That's okay. I'm not judging that, but some of us maybe stay there too long. But... <laughs> But ultimately, you have authority in the homes, and you're, you're called to obey. And he says that you're, you're supposed to honor them. 
In fact, one of the ways that honor was best understood in, in Jewish day, in, in, in the Old Testament we see honor, it's specifically a, an adult child taking care of their parents when they're older. In fact, we see in Timothy where he says, like, if, if there's not a family to take care of the widows, well, then it'll be the church's role. So a way in which we can honor our parents, and, and my dad just went through this with, with my grandma where she passed in November where he had to take care of her, and that's financially, and that's, it's, that's housing, lodging, whatever it may be. Like That's a way in which we get to honor our parents is by stepping in and taking care of them when they're unable to take care of themselves. And that's, that's when, when this was said, every single Jewish person heard, oh yeah, that means I gotta take care of my parents when they can't take care of themselves. If that's financial, I'll do it that way. If that's, if that's um, time, I'll do it that way. This is the role and the command in which you do this, and this is how you do that. And so um, that was what honoring was. But the, the word honor itself is to value highly, to hold in the highest regard and respect. And so I wanna just pause there for a second. Um, how, how are you doing with that view of your parents. See, my, my bet is that most of us probably don't land on value highly or have the highest regard or value for them. And, and let me just say this again, it's because some of you, you've been drastically hurt. You've been hurt by your parents. The one relationship that God put in place that was to train you up in the Lord and to show you who Jesus Christ was and, and to, to embody that and to live that they, they fell very short of it. Some of you have experienced abuse. There's physical, verbal, emotional, all of it's horrible. So how, how, how does honoring them work for you? Well, I want to just say this. I, I, I really do believe there's a way you can honor them still, even within that pain. And some of that is through the word reconciliation. Some of you, you guys have been carrying around so much pain and hurt from your parents for so long that it has just poisoned your life. It has just poisoned you in the way that you move because you're bitter and you're angry and you have this just, this just darkness that just kind of looms over you because of the hurt and the pain that, that, that was caused years before. And so my, my recommendation would be reconciliation. Um, let me be really clear on a couple things that honoring your parents doesn't mean. It doesn't mean going back and groveling or seeking their approval. That's not what you're going for. Um, it doesn't mean that you set yourself past boundaries in abusive ways. That's not what that, that's saying there. Um, but uh, I think a lot of times we use iterations of those to excuse us to not actually have a conversation with them, which is not what God's Word's telling us to do. And so the way I think kind of the short answer to this is, is, that, um, is that you seek reconciliation. And if it isn't resolved to your satisfaction or isn't resolved, you take the pain and the injustice and you give it to God. And you don't hold on to it anymore. Because the reality of forgiving someone isn't for them, it's for you. And if you choose to not forgive your parents, whether they have ever asked for forgiveness or not, that's going to poison your life. It's going to poison your marriage. It's going to poison the way you treat your kids. It's going to affect everything that happens in your life. So I just, I can't say this enough. If you have been hurt, I encourage you, I implore you to, to seek reconciliation. If you're like, I don't know how to do that. I, I want some help in that. There's communication cards on the chairs in front of you. Grab those, write it down. Say we'd love some help. We can get someone to walk with you in that. 
Uh, moving on, he says, so after he says, honor your parents, he says, this is the first commandment. Well, if you know the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments, you're like, wait a second, this isn't the first commandment. This is out of Exodus or Deuteronomy where he's basically saying it's the first commandment with a promise. Out of the, out of the commandments, what we get is we get this interesting commandment where if you obey your parents, you shall live long in the land of Israel is what he's talking about here. And so the Apostle Paul just just kind of adopts that in here and says, look, there's a promise about obedient children. There's a promise that comes with this, that when you obey your parents, that you will live long and that it will go well for you. Now, I think we'd be foolish to assume that that's a, like a guarantee across the board because some of us are like, wait a minute, I've been obedient to my parents and, and I have not had it go well with me. And I have friends that have been obedient to their parents and they did not live long. And so I don't think it's a blanket statement with guaranteed there, but I think what he's doing is the same thing that we understand, when we understand this. You know, ask and, and you will find, knock and the door will be open, seek and you'll see. I messed that up, but you get what I'm saying, right? Okay. Um, it's that when we are obedient to God, we are in position in a place for him to do amazing things for his will and his purposes. And us obeying our children is obedient to God, or obeying our parents is obedient to, to God. Some of us do obey, obey our children, all right? Children make crummy gods, seriously. Let me just say that in the first place, okay? Some of us put our children on way too high of a pedestal, and we put them in places, places that they can never sustain. But ultimately, that's, that's what the first commandment is, what he's talking about there. Um, then he goes into this section where he kind of talks about a negative way in which this happens, and he goes, specifically he says, fathers don't provoke. Which is interesting because a lot of mothers be like, I'm off the hook here, right? No, no, that's not what the case is. But he is specifically speaking to fathers. Because if he wanted to say parents, he would have just used the word he used, the same Greek word in 6.1. And, and, and why is that? Well, in, in the understanding of scriptures and in this time, again, the discipline and the training of the child and the way they should go was, was, was placed and plopped upon the father's shoulders. The mother was to aid in this and to be a part of this and to do this. In fact, dare I say that a lot of you moms are the ones that are leading and carrying this right now. So thank you for, for loving your children and, and doing this. Dads, you, you, it's on you to step up. You don't get to disengage from this. Be like, oh, my wife's doing a good job. She's running away. Like, you should be engaging in this conversation. And so when he goes to fathers, he says, fathers don't provoke them to anger. Well, again, I think uh, I, it's true, but most of the time, Women can be more nurturing, dads and, husbands, and men struggle sometimes to be nurturing, and so that's where the, the provoke comes from. This word, to provoke, was used predominantly in the Old Testament of the people of Israel provoking God to wrath through their idolatry and sinful practices. So this isn't a good word. Don't provoke your children. And so what I wanted to do real quickly is, is talk about this because um, both mothers and fathers can provoke their children to anger, and the Apostle Paul's already talked about anger. We don't have time to go there, but um, we can all provoke our children to anger. In fact, I've, I've done it in my children. It's not, it's not a, a fun thing, but usually um, what provoking a child is is it describes an ongoing, repeated pattern of treatment that gradually builds up a deep-seated anger and resentment that boils over into outward hostility. So there are a number of ways in which we can provoke, and some of you are like, I know, I've been provoked, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a couple of them that we can do as parents if we're not careful. Um, we can compare our children. When you compare one child to the next, it's a really easy way to provoke them into anger because basically what you're saying is you need to be more like this child. I always think of Jesus' home. Like, was James, like, this is proof that Jesus was the Lord because James ended up following him as Lord, which, I mean, that's, that's big enough. You 
claim your brother's Lord. Like, I don't know anyone that could convince that. But, but either way, I always wonder, like, the parents, like, could you just be more like Jesus? Like, seriously, like, I mean, you know, you keep messing up. And he's, he's, like, practically perfect. I mean, we have yet to see anything. Uh, comparing can provoke your children to anger. They are each individually, uniquely, and beautifully made by God with gifts and talents and strengths and weaknesses that you are called as the parent to disciple them in those gifts and disciple them. Comparing one to the next is not helpful. It's going to provoke them. Um, another one, the way that we can, com- we can provoke our children to anger is well-meaning overprotection, or I'll just call it controlling them. Um, a lot of times we feel like we're overprotecting them or we're telling them no, 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 no. Like I've been using this with my kids um, kind of recently as I was studying this where I, like, I tell them, like, Dad likes to have fun, right? Well, yeah, okay. Well, just because I'm saying no doesn't mean I don't like fun. I'm just, there's something that you don't understand yet, but this is healthy for you to know that this is a no. You don't need this right now. This isn't good for you. But controlling our kids is, is based, and I'm just going to say it, it comes out of a fear of what other people think of us. It really does. When a kid starts throwing a fit or starts getting mad, you feel like a complete failure as a parent, and so you start controlling and controlling and controlling, pushing harder, harder, harder on your kid because you're afraid of what other people think. And some of you, you, you think it's like this overprotection, but children are meant to, they're, they're individuals, that God has a mission and a purpose for them. So you can't stifle what he's trying to do in them and, and hold back what he's trying to do with them. You're to train it and, and um, encourage it. Speaking of encouragement, another one that is... Uh, a way to provoke children is discouraging them. Or, or let me just say it this way, never encouraging them. Now, I'm not speaking to the um, trophy generation that we have, you know, where you get a trophy for waking up. Like, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? Like, oh, hey, you woke up, here's a trophy. Like, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? Um, what I'm talking about is encouraging things in them that would be f- fruit of the Spirit or things in them that would be attributes of godly character or godly wisdom when they operate in a way when, when one of my ch- child hits the other one and actually seeks forgiveness like I, I encourage like thank you for seeking forgiveness in that way encouraging our children if you never ever encourage your children you are discouraging them ever think about that it's not like you can just kind of be on a neutral ground if they're never hearing wow, I I love that you did that or great job in this way. If you're never, if you don't know your children well enough to find ways in which to encourage them, you're you're just, you're falling massively short and discouraging the snot out of them. And that will provoke them to anger. In fact, there's many, many, many people in here that are adults today that like they've owned words of encouragement as their love language because they were so not encouraged. And people can say one good thing to them and it builds them up. And if they say one negative thing, it just drops them because they found their value in what people do or don't say. So as parents, we need to instill in them who they are in God and encourage the things that God is doing in them. Um, Another way we provoke our our children is uh, by failing to sacrifice for our children. Now, I think in some ways this has gotten out of control in our society where um, parents, like I said, they idolize their children, so they sacrifice absolutely everything for their children. I mean, they, they... they give up everything. They, they stop attending church because, you know, my children just need more sleep or my nap schedule doesn't work. They stop, they stop giving financially to church because, like, well, my children need this. Like, I think in a lot of ways it's swung the other way, but a way in which we can really, really, really provoke our children to anger is, is by not recognizing that we are called to sacrifice for them. See, a lot of parents try to just slip kids into their life and just say, well, they're going to have to figure it out because this is the way I want it. A lot of people have, think about it this way, and I, I, this is not, 
this may or may not be wrong, but a lot of people pick the number of kids they can have just by how much sacrifice they won't have to do. Well, if I have one more kid, I'd have to give up this. As opposed to saying, Lord, how many children do you desire for me to have? What's your will? What does a quiverful look like in my household? Right, so we, we, we don't sacrifice. And our kids see that. If you want your children to understand what sacrifice is, they need to be seeing it modeled in us as parents. A lot of times I think the reason that this plays out the sacrifice is that you, you view them as an intrusion on your life. I've done this to my kids where I'm trying to do something and they come in and I'm doing something that has little to no value. It's like, I'm busy, I'm just, I'm doing something. You're intruding on my time and my space. I know many adults, many adults in here that feel like an immense burden to everyone because they were instilled by their parents that they're a burden, that they're an intrusion on their life and that they, they take away fun and that they are, they are just, they're just a, just a, you know, time suckers in their heart. Look, they take time and your life has changed. It's, it's different. But I know a lot of people that carry around, they walk today. They walk around today because they're, they're, they're afraid of being a burden to anyone. I think it's interesting that the scriptures call us to bear one another's burdens. And, and little kids that feel like an intrusion all the time because you're doing something that's showing them essentially that what you're doing is more important than their intrusion. I mean, it may be important work. Maybe, you know, maybe it's important finance and stuff. Maybe you're stressed, you're struggling, but ultimately, if you continue to show that over and over and over again, you are going to provoke your children to anger. Um, and then the last and very obvious one is um, physical or verbal abuse, emotional abuse. There is just no place in a home for that kind of work. And I'll say this right now, sarcasm can be verbal abuse. You gotta be careful about that with your kids. You gotta be very careful because their minds definitely don't get that. As someone that is incredibly sarcastic, it's something I have to remind myself of. But when you shame your children, when you tell them like, why aren't you just doing this? When you say those things in anger, that, that can, that's verbal abuse. So you have to be very careful on that. Um, these are just some of the ways. There's many other ways to provoke our children, but we're commanded by God to not provoke our children to anger, which is interesting. This would have made so much sense if Paul said, children, don't provoke your parents to anger. Right? In this culture, that made sense. But what Paul's doing is he's flipping the orientation and saying, no, 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 parents, don't you provoke your children to anger. He's commanding that of them. And then he goes into two positive things that come out of this. And I want to just quickly cover these because one of them was incredibly enlightening to me. He says that you're to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So ultimately, again, the goal and the desire is that they would know what it is to follow the Lord. That's, that's, the, that's the motivation. That's the goal. We want our children so that when they are old, they know this is how I follow the Lord. But he uses two words. He used discipline and instruction. Discipline's root word, hear this out. This, is, this was so new and crazy for me. The root Greek word for discipline is nurture. Nurture. And it can come out in two different ways. There's two different ways it was used. One was for education and training in like a comprehensive sense, and the other was being disciplined or chastised through correction. And the latter is what's used in this scripture. And so when we hear the word chastised, we're like, whoa. Like, no, in the Hebrew, it, it definitely, it was a healthy, painful correction, not a 
immense, overbearing, horrible pain. But if you've spent any time walking with the Lord, is it really easy to be disciplined by him? Does it ever feel good? No, it's usually painful. Now, let me be very careful here, okay? I understand that there's so many different parenting models on how you should or shouldn't discipline. There's brilliant ones, there's whatever. Let me just say this, Proverbs says that if you do not discipline your child, you hate them. Okay, so I don't, I'm not talking about how you do it, that's not where we're gonna go, but if you, if you are void of discipline, you're actually not nurturing. And that's what this scripture is saying, is that this is a positive thing. To nurture your child is to correct wrong behavior. The Lord does this with you. This is a good thing. And so he calls you to, to, to discipline them and to nurture them and to, to, to instruct them. And that word literally means to be putting in mind. And I think where we get in trouble a lot of times, it's like, oh, I just want them to memorize scripture. This instruction isn't factual data, but it's actually more of a, um, uh, and a right attitude or principles and how they are to be lived out. So he's literally saying that you want to you nurture your children through correcting wrong behavior, behavior that isn't biblical, behavior that would, would lend itself to a, a disruptive thing. In fact, there are studies outside of the church that say that disobedient children can t- like take down entire infrastructure of communities. They say that ultimately, like morally, just naturally, it makes sense for children to obey their parents outside of scripture alone. Biblically, it's called, it's commanded. And so um, you're called to instruct. The key to right discipline and instruction is it's being of the Lord. Everything parents do for their children is to be of him according to the teaching of his word by the guidance and the power of his Holy Spirit in the name of his son, um, Jesus Christ, and to his own glory and honor. Only when Christ is the center of our lives as Savior and Lord will we see our children obey in the way that they're supposed to be obeying or will we be parenting in a way that we're called to be parenting? We won't fulfill the ministry that God commands us. Ultimately, I wrote it down this way. Ultimately, the concern of parents is not simply that their sons or daughters will be obedient to their authority, but that through this godly training and, and admonition, their children will come to know and obey the Lord himself. That's, that's ultimately what we want. And so the, the band's gonna come up and we're gonna, we're gonna close um, and before we do, I just want to, again, I want to, if I can, just speak into those of you that, that have been hurt by your parents, those of you that are in here right now, that you're like, man, my, my dad, my mom, they were absolutely horrible. Maybe they've, 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 they've passed on. You're like, I don't have an opportunity to seek reconciliation with them. My, my challenge, my, my encouragement would be that you, you put that before the Lord. That you'd give, you'd give the Lord the entirety of your heart, your anger, your, your struggle, your bitterness. You'd, you'd, you'd repent of those things and give those to him so that he could work in you in a more healthy and beautiful way. And for those of you that, that, that the pain is just, is just too raw and it hurts, like, again, I, I encourage you, write it down on a communication card. Let us follow up with you. Let us walk with you in this. Because ultimately, let me just tell you this. If you don't deal with this, not in the sense of I just need to muscle through it, but I mean submit yourself to the process of what God wants to show you in sanctifying you in this. If you don't really truly engage in this, it will poison the rest of your life. It will continue to affect your marriage, your friendships, the way you parent. You cannot keep escaping it by carrying this bitterness. We are not called to carry these things. We are called to lay them at the foot of the cross and to go to others to help us bear the weight of these struggles. We pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for faithfully giving um, us truth. 
God, for the, for the parents in here, I pray that they wouldn't walk into shame or guilt or um, fear of what they're messing up, that they would remember ultimately that these children are yours, um, just entrusted to us. They're not my kids. Um, and my kids um, have you who are sovereign in control and faithful. And so I can trust in that, Lord. So I thank you for that. And I pray that um, for those of us that are in here that maybe have provoked our children or, or have been um, not being diligent, maybe the dads in here that aren't diligently leading their family or living, um, sacrificing and loving the way that you call them to, God, I pray that they'd seek forgiveness, that they'd repent of that. And God, for the, maybe the children in here that are grown up and they realize that they have just been dishonoring and dishonoring and dishonoring their parents, I pray that they would repent and seek forgiveness, God. We pray for reconciliation. We pray for you to do a mighty work. And God, I, I can't help but think if we could just surrender and submit ourselves the way you're calling us to here in Ephesians that, that the picture of your church would be such a beautiful thing that every single person that comes even with close proximity to it would be like, I want some of that. I want parents that treat me like that. I want, I want people to love me like that. I want a God to, 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 to follow like that. So, Father, we praise you for what you're doing in our lives. We praise you for the children, and I do pray specifically for the children in this community. Um, the same prayer I pray for my the same prayer I pray for my children regularly. I pray that they wouldn't know a single day without following you. I pray that their stories would be one of those seemingly boring ones. It's like I've just always trusted that God is good and been faithful to that. Because that is such a good and right testimony, Lord, one that you are worthy of. And so we thank you for that. And I pray um, for the parents in here that maybe are wrestling to understand what it means to be submitted to you as parents. God, I pray that they would submit themselves entirely to you and trust you with the outcome and not do it on their own strength. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.